Okay, welcome uh, once again to another Throttle Up Radio show and podcast, and I'm your host, Captain Kevin Smith, and I am glad to be here, along with my great audio engineer that keeps everything on track. Just between you and me, I need the help uh, to do all of this stuff behind the microphone. All right, so we are in the midst of a, a new special edition, is that right? What's the name of it? Operating at the tip of the spear. Couple of administrative items to uh, get out of the way. Uh, we are, of course, a radio show on the great uh, radio station, Red State Talk Radio. And we are honored to be on that show. We Actually, it's a weekend show, so uh, you can find us on that on the weekends, both channels. You can check the station for times and so forth and so on. Also, we are a podcast, and our podcast is available on all known podcast platforms now. We're pretty excited about that, and um, I use CastBox uh, right now. I'm not promoting that. I mean, there's plenty of great podcast platforms out there, iTunes, Podbean. I use CastBox at the moment, uh, but I also use others. It's a good way to listen to the show, by the way. Uh, we're going to start promoting the audiobook uh, more aggressively now. I think the audiobook is really great. Uh, the audiobook that is entitled The Sonic Warrior Chronicles of a Top Gun Pioneer, that's our newest book, by the way. Uh, not the only one, but the newest book, and it's an audiobook form produced by a rather fascinating company, uh, an audio production company. When they are located in Carlsbad, California, they are One Audio Books is the name of the company, and we uh, uh, we spent some time down there in this uh, audio recording environment. Really, a fascinating uh, area of uh, media, as it turns out. Okay, so my audio engineer is going to read me the the question that is, will open up this week's show. Here she goes. Uh, hi, Kevin, and hello to all of your listeners out there in uh, Radio Land. Okay, we all have known the terms, if you want peace, prepare for war, and prepare to engage the enemy at the tip of the spear. What is it that we should know about these terms, and why is this important? Okay, the first one, uh, uh, great question, by the way, and the first one is often um, overlooked, uh, forgotten, uh, and uh, sometimes ignored on purpose. Uh, the first one is pretty critical, and this basically goes all the way back to the beginning of recorded human history up to the present, uh, which is, okay, with, there are going to be enemies out there, and then just the nature of things on this particular planet. And uh, because of that, uh, because there will be enemies, uh, especially those who want to take what we have, if we have created something special, uh, we have to protect it, uh, we have to... Uh, make sure that uh, we have um, installed uh, the uh, proper protection features. Uh, it is nothing especially unusual. If we have, um, for example, if we have a nice plot of land, uh, we may want to protect it from erosion. We may want to protect it from flash floods. It's, it's, basically, it's the same idea. Um, and so we have this great country, and uh, we want to protect it. How do we do such a thing? Well, and the one one um, proposition uh, that I I don't think has ever been uh, successfully challenged, frankly, one proposition is if you want peace, then prepare for war. In a lot of cases, that should be self-evident, uh, or uh, another way of saying that, 
uh, should be intuitively obvious what uh, we're talking about. And so what does that mean? Well, it means that we need to have a standing military. Um, One of the uh, founding fathers of this country, uh, General and President George Washington, uh, was a proponent of establishing a uh, what's what's the term? Uh, I'm asking my audio engineer. Is it standing army? Is that the term that he used? Was it? Um, I think it was. So he was the he was one of the original proponents of of having a standing army as well as a militia. It, it does not take away from the militia. And uh, now we call uh, the militia uh, National Guard. Great organization and great people, and they're all absolute patriots, um, and I honor their service, uh, absolutely. Uh, But having a standing army was particularly important to George Washington, and I think it's important to most thoughtful Americans. And and what does that mean? It means having, having a military, basically, having people that are professionally trained in the art and science of warfare having things like the Naval Academy and having things like uh, West Point, uh, having things like that, having modern weapon systems and having a standing Navy, having a naval presence on the oceans. Uh, The United States of America is, in fact, a maritime nation. That's what it is. Uh, We are bordered by two oceans, the Atlantic and Pacific, and we are indeed a maritime nation, which basically means that we have and need to have a significant Navy, a Navy stronger than any other Navy on planet Earth, and that happens to be true. Uh, It was uh, seriously tested during uh, World War II, uh, and we prevailed uh, through, uh, not without some difficulty, of course, but of, uh, but uh, the bright side of that was that our, our heroes emerged and some of the greatest uh, naval officers and naval combatants and, and naval personnel that uh, the, the world has ever seen all converged uh, in, on the... Uh, within the U.S. Navy at that time, particularly during the Pacific uh, battle space of World War II. Okay, so prepare for war. Uh, That means to be as strong as we possibly can be from a military standpoint. And then who would invade? Who would uh, seek to take over or confiscate? our wealth, our capability, uh, who would seek to, uh, to annihilate us as a nation? Who would seek to do that if we were stronger by orders of magnitude, stronger than any other possible enemy force? Okay, so prepare for war, all right? And that's what, uh, that's what my job was, by the way. Uh, my job... When I was a naval officer, a naval aviator, and fighter pilot, my job was, in fact, to prepare for war and prepare to defeat the enemy in the airborne battle space. That was, in fact, my job. Uh, that was my, it was also my honor to do so. Uh, it, it was uh, something I did willingly, uh, without any reservation whatsoever, and I would do it again in a heartbeat, uh, absolutely. But my job was to, was to, uh, was to dominate and uh, secure and achieve supremacy within the airborne battle space, defeat all enemies within the airborne battle space. That was what I was trained to do. And I think I and my colleagues were, well, I actually don't think, I know that I and my colleagues, we were the best in the world at that 
uh, in that particular time and space and in course of human events and human history, we were the best in the world. And uh, we did not get there easily. It was a rather difficult thing that we were able to do, particularly operating uh, aircraft in a aircraft carrier environment or in a maritime environment. How do you do that? And that was something that we all took great um, uh, responsibility, felt a great deal of responsibility uh, to do such a thing. Uh, the other part of the question that my uh, great audio engineer asked me was prepare to engage the enemy at the tip of the spear. Now, what exactly does that mean? All right, so I'm going to put these th two things together. Prepare for war. Prepare for war in that we want to prepare to engage the enemy at the tip of the spear, which basically means uh, at the point in which kinetic action occurs or at the point in which uh, military hostilities occur. Tip of the spear. Okay. What exactly is the tip of the spear with respect to aerial combat? That is a great question. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that was a question that I just asked myself. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying that that I believe it is a great question, right? So what does a tip of the spear look like for a aerial combat warrior? We call them, in this day and age, we call them sonic warriors because uh, they are operating aircraft that, uh, that are capable of exceeding the speed of sound quite easily across the board. There are some airplanes uh, that we can identify right now that uh, that are grouped with or that that occupy that particular group, uh, the Sonic Warfare group in terms of what is it, what do they look like. Now they go all the way back to the beginning of Sonic Warfare and the beginning of supersonic flight for tactical airplanes. Uh, that began in the, we're, we're going to say roughly the mid-1950s, all right, give or take a little bit, but let's, that's, that's close enough for, for uh, our discussions today. And the first airplane that actually entered into that arena was the F-11 Tiger, the world's first supersonic airplane and so that was the first of a long line of supersonic fighters that enter the, had or still enter the airborne battle space. Okay. It began with the F-11 Tiger. That was actually a Navy airplane, and it was built by Grumman Aerospace. And it was quite a remarkable achievement, huge breakthrough, by the way, in so many areas that it just, you know, we just think, uh, almost think of it as a matter of fact. No, no, it, uh, we should never think of the F-11 Tiger as just another airplane. Uh, the F-11 Tiger is not just another airplane. The F-11 Tiger was a monumental achievement in human ingenuity and innovation and creativity. It was remarkable. It was actually done by a small group of thought leaders that were not even under a government contract, but they saw the need and they went to work and they came up with a solution. What was the need? The need was for, in this case, the Naval Air Force to enter into the supersonic realm or enter into the supersonic uh, battle space. Uh, the Navy did not have, up to this point, uh, the ability to engage the enemy within the supersonic battle space. The Navy did not, but they were able to, once the F-11 Tiger 
became available, and the Navy quickly bought a whole bunch of them and started to work and developed uh, all of the training and the tactics and the strategy and the logistics and you name it uh, that goes into fielding such a weapon system. Okay, so the tip of the spear is in fact the place where air combat is performed. For us, that's where air combat is performed. Now, we're going to replay this uh, audio clip. It's actually part of the audio-video clip. Uh, the title of that is um, Tom Cruise Coaches Overconfident Newbies for 10 Minutes. All right. So this is an extract. Is that the right term? That's not the right term. Is, is that the right term? Uh, excerpt. How's that? It's a that's a better term. This is an excerpt from the Top Gun Maverick movie. And by the way, <laughs> uh, that, that's a for me. It's a thrill a minute. Um, I'm I'm just uh, fascinated with that particular uh, movie. And they did a, such a great job of uh, depicting what we really do uh, as fighter pilots uh, working for the United States Navy. Okay, so uh, Tom Cruise coaches overconfident newbies. Now, what uh, we've done this before, so, but I'm going to replay this. Uh, this we've used this uh, clip uh, a number of times, but I I I don't think it's I th don't think we're overusing it. I think it's appropriate to use it because every time we do, we pick up new stuff. And there's a new thought thread that that begins and carries on and. In this particular case, what I want you to think about is what exactly does the tip of the spear look like for a fighter pilot, for a Top Gun pilot, for a Sonic Warrior? They are all grouped together. They all exist within the same arena, if you will, and they all occupy the airborne battle space. In this particular case, the airborne battle space includes subsonic and supersonic velocities. Okay, so it's a particularly different airborne battle space. It's a battle space that also includes or embraces supersonic velocities, which is very high velocity close in aerial combat that's what we're dealing with and this is what it looks like so i want you to put your imagination in high gear now okay as we as we listen to this i want you to put your imagination in high gear and just imagine uh, what's going on here we we call it turning and burning all right but that doesn't actually fully grasp uh, what actually is going on. It's, it's a cute little phrase that we use. When I say we, we're talking about us fighter pods. Cute little phrase. But turning and burning, and this is where we engage the enemy. It's, a, it's the, uh, how, how can I put it uh, in a way that's understandable? I, I would say that, it, what, highly dynamic right? You know, extremely fluid, highly dynamic. We're talking about high velocities and high Gs and high levels of uh, uncertainty and complexity and lethality as well. Uh, we don't want the enemy to have a positive uh, lethal position on us. In other words, we don't want to be in a defensive posture. And one of the things that we had to do as as we entered into this uh, airborne battle space, which represents the tip of the spear, uh, one of the things that we had to do is we had to make sure that we always were on the offensive. Now, that's a very hard thing to do, but there is things that we can put in place. There's things for us to uh, execute. There's things to us to remember so as to always maintain 
a positive offensive or a I'm saying the those two words mean the same but in offensive posture uh not a defensive posture so we want to be on the offensive uh that is almost well uh, I would say clearly that's the most important thing for us to know and to achieve and to maintain and we have to secure and maintain the advantage uh, absolutely. Uh, if we don't, uh, likelihood of mission success uh, plummets down to uh, very low probabilities. So we have to learn that and we have to maintain the advantage. Okay, so let's play this clip, uh, audio clip uh, again. Once again, we've done it before, but we're going to play this audio clip again. Put your imagination in high gear and just imagine what is going on in this particular airborne battle space that represents the tip of the spear. Here we go. Good morning, aviators. This is your captain speaking. Welcome to basic fighter maneuvers. As briefed, today's exercise is dogfighting. Guns only, no missiles. We do not go below the hard deck of 5,000 feet. Working as a team, you have to shoot me down or else. Or else what, sir? Or else I shoot back. If I shoot either one of you down, you both lose. This guy needs an ego check. We'll see to that. So what's say we put some skin in the game? What do you have in mind? Whoever gets shot down first has to do 200 push-ups. Guys, <laughs> that's a lot of push-ups. Well, uh, they don't call it an exercise for nothing, sir. You got yourself a deal, gentlemen. Lights on. Let's turn and burn. Fanboy, you see him? Not be on the radar up ahead. He must be somewhere behind us. We don't get fooled again. Easy, Maverick. Let's try not to get fired on the first day. Tally, tally, tally! Maverick's coming in! Right left! Right and left! Hey, man! Where's your wingman? Booster, where are you? I got you, man. I'm coming. Hang in there, hang in there. Hurry up, man, hurry up! Break right! Break it right! Rooster just saved your life, fellas. But it's gonna cost him. Not this time, old man! Don't let him get you, Maverick. Rooster, you're too low! Pull up, you're hitting the hard deck! down there but it's not and now you know a little something about rooster <laughs> wow hey hold that time back down till we get back brother all right hey get, get up there boy <laughs> keep that man that's a kill <laughs> smoked <laughs> it was all fun and games that's up he wasn't it damn say phoenix now how's about we tell everybody bob stands for something other than robert i mean don't take the bait bob Want to know why we call him Hangman? Boy, I got it. Baby on board. <laughs> Shit! Greetings, aviators. Fight's on. All right, Phoenix, let's take this guy out. Watch your back, Phoenix. Break right! Break it right! Where's he going? That's why we call him Hangman. He'll always hang you out to dry. Leaving your wingman. There's a strategy I haven't seen in a while. He called you a man, Phoenix. You gonna take that? So long as he doesn't call you a man. Touch me, Bob. Where's Maverick? Jesus, his nose is already coming around. Get off me, Hangman! For all you folks at home, this is how you bury a fossil. All right, Hangman. Time to teach you a lesson. You're out, Phoenix. Son of a bitch! That's it. Let's go, Mav. Let's see what you got. Come get me. He will be gone. Hangman's coming. Yeah, you're good. I'll give you that. Shit. Phoenix, I can't see him. How close am I? Phoenix! I'm dead, dickhead. See you in the afterlife, bag man. <laughs> Where is he? Where is he? That's a kill. Save 
Okay, uh, that's uh, pretty exciting and pretty great uh, example of what it is like to operate at the tip of the spear. Now, this is an airborne battle space. Uh, this uh, what we call the uh, battle space that embraces sonic warfare. Okay, so let me uh, let me explain this. Uh, in in this way, uh, and I'm not sure. Perhaps I've been going to repeat myself a little bit here, but that's okay. Now, as we prepare for war at the tip of the spear, right? So remember, uh, that was the question that we, uh, my great audio engineer, presented to me at the beginning of this show. When we are at the tip of the, sp uh, when we are preparing for war at and we are at the tip of the spear i'm going to add one more thing here to help clarify exactly what we are dealing with uh one more thing w will be at the high end of the conflict spectrum all right so we have three things going going or coming together uh, if you will, if we, if we are seriously considering what exactly are we going to do as warriors? Okay, what exactly are we going to, going to do? And what exactly do we expect from our warriors, from our warrior class, from the people that, uh, that are being held responsible for our safety? What exactly is it? One is to prepare. We want to prepare for war and or in this in this particular case uh we want to prepare for air combat at uh, the tip of the spear in other words we are an inside or we have entered in to the airborne battle space right that's where we are right now okay we have launched off the carrier and we have uh entered the airborne battle spaces which is uh, within flying distance of the aircraft carrier. That's where the airborne battle space is located. One other thing that we have to understand, which is that in this particular case, we are going to engage the enemy at the high end of the conflict spectrum. What exactly does that mean? It means that the enemy is is um, nearly as capable as we are. The enemy is flying modern uh, tactical airplanes. Uh, the, uh, the enemy pilots are skilled and experienced, and uh, we are facing a formidable enemy but we still have to win, all right? So it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be a walk in the park. It's not going to be anything that is going to be um, uh, uh, a given, if you will, or, uh, or something that uh, is, uh, is easy to achieve it's going to be difficult uh, there's going to be lots of challenges ahead there's going to be lots of things for us to consider now there's there's two key aspects of this particular audio video clip and i mean you can find it on youtube and you can you can uh you know watch i would recommend you watch it a couple of times there's two key aspects here i want to point out then uh, there could be more but two things that caught my eye is this number one is the wingman there's a discussion about leaving your wingman okay maverick said well i haven't seen that in a, in quite some time 
that's something that you almost always never want to do. Okay, so uh, if you say, okay, if someone is willing to leave their wingmen, what exactly is going on? Uh, they have lost. Uh, um, they have lost the integrity of the formation. They have lost formation integrity. You don't really want to do that. Then it becomes chaos. If you lose integrity of the formation, then you quickly enter in a, into a realm of of chaos, and chaos will quickly lead to catastrophe. And then you have lost the battle, and you have lost your airplane, perhaps, and even lost your life. Right. And so you don't want to do that. So you don't want to uh, c- compromise. Uh, formation integrity and and that's that's one of the things and and so keep that in mind as as you as you go about your uh your life as you go about your work uh think about that all right you you have you have colleagues that are working with you uh you are pursuing a goal so you could say that we are all flying in formation and we don't want to disrupt or destroy the integrity of that formation, okay? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, remember in uh, the military academies and in uh, a, uh, uh, the military schools and officer candidate schools, uh, formation. You marched in formation. You want to maintain the formation integrity. That was pretty important because that teaches you that that the integrity of the of the of the formation, the integrity of the group, is particularly important. Everybody needs to know what's going on. It needs to work together. Okay, that that was the whole point of it. So when you know, when Maverick says, you know, I haven't seen that in a long time, he's talking about leaving your wingmen is something that is not, uh, is not to be recommended, basically, um, with very, very few, if any, exceptions to that. Okay, so that's the first thing. Now, okay, so... Uh, there was one v many, and that this is what was going on. That's I'm I'm using pilot speak here, but it, what's going on now in this battle space is Maverick is uh, is playing the 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 red forces. All right, so Maverick is a single adversary going up against a formation of blue forces the blue forces i think they're i think the formation is four airplanes uh, flying in formation all right so there's a single airplane going against four and what's going on well mavic is trying to uh, bring bring out a crucial point here in uh training uh our ability to train successfully at the tip of the spear which is what? Don't lose the integrity of your formation, if at all possible. If you do, then chaos will ensue. Now, what Maverick has done, Maverick has caused chaos within this formation. Okay? How has he done that? I'm not sure I'm using the right words. How did he do that? Better way of saying it. Well, you know, Maverick is a very experienced fighter pilot and naval aviator, and he kind of knows how to disrupt the integrity, how to destroy the integrity, how to introduce chaos into the battle space. Once you introduce chaos into the battle space, you are almost always going to lose given that the enemy that you're up against doesn't uh, encounter chaos. Okay, that's basically the bottom line. Okay, what happened in this particular case is chaos ensued. 
Maverick was able to introduce or cause this uh, the uh, uh, cause this formation to lose its integrity, to enter into a period of of chaos. Okay, and if you if you follow this thing closely, you'll notice that 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 one of the pilots barely avoided catastrophe because he got too low. So during this flail going on in the battle space, all right, there's a gigantic flailing going on, one of the pilots lost situation awareness and got too low and had, had to execute a high-G low pullout in order to save himself from the airplane. Okay, so that's, that's the, the other thing to take away from this uh, this great uh, audio uh, visual clip uh, that you can take a look at. Again, I, I recommend that. Now, the third thing uh, to keep in mind is um, uh, uh, okay, something popped up on my screen. I'm not sure what it is. Okay, so the wingman. All right, so. Uh, Losses wing wingman. All right. So the third thing to keep in mind is this. All right. So, so Maverick Maverick is is there uh, performing this all of these uh, exotic uh, and uh, and high G and advanced maneuvers. And uh, one of the one of the uh, the and then Hangman. I think it's Hangman gets behind him. Okay. And and he says something like it was either hangman or rooster, and I can't remember exactly which one. But he said something. He said, "Let's bury a, bury the fossil." Okay, so they're at the bury the fossil, and and uh, and Maverick is the fossil, right? They're, they want to bury the fossil, and then, and and they actually they or someone actually gets behind Maverick. So so Maverick has lost the advantage. Now, all right. So and. And uh, Maverick is on the defensive. Okay, he's on the defensive, but he's got this, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna call it this uh, this secret maneuver. It's actually not a secret, and and but it but it is in fact an advanced maneuver. All right, so what I'm gonna say it's a, let's call it unusual. All right, so. So Maverick has this unusual maneuver, and uh, it's it goes by a number of names. I'm, I'm going to tell you what I call it. Uh, I'm not sure that all the fighter pilots are going to call it, but I'm going to tell you what I call it. All right, I call it going for the sun. It's going for the sun maneuver, and that's exactly what Maverick does. Uh, there happens to be just, you know, incidentally or anecdotally, there happens to be a highway in Glacier National Park that's called Going to the Sun Highway. Uh, and it could be that or Going for the Sun, I'm not sure. But there's a highway named similar or exactly like that, like this maneuver. I've been to the Going to the Sun Highway in Glacier, and I would highly recommend it, by the way. If you can do it, if you can do it on a motorcycle, it's even more exciting. And I have done it on a motorcycle as well. But going for the sun. Okay, that's the maneuver that Maverick executed, going for the sun. When you do that, you you do, do two things. Number one is the enemy is going to lose sight of you. And any IR tracking device, any infrared tracking device that is tracking you or me, uh, that is tracking you while you are going for the sun, you are going to disable the IR tracking device. You are also going to prevent anyone to achieve 
visual contact or to maintain visual contact. Okay, so the enemy might be behind you, but the enemy is in the blind and it cannot see you, cannot sense you. And that's exactly what Maverick does. Okay, Maverick does do that. He, uh, he goes for the sun. He uses going to the sun maneuver. All right, or going for the sun. He's using that. Now, another thing that Maverick is doing, and this is something that I was involved with, um, uh, let's say, fairly often in my, uh, in my job as, a, uh, as an advanced uh, training instructor pilot. I was an instructor pilot in the advanced uh, combat training program. Uh, we also call that Top Gun pilot. Uh, that's not a, an exact term. Uh, and sometimes it's used in it, uh, you know, not so much inappropriately, but confusingly. Uh, but it is a term that's, that's uh, thrown around quite a bit. And so, and that's okay. That, that's, you know, uh, terms are terms, right? And so you, you use the terms that make sense to not know, not only yourself, but the listener. Okay. So, uh, as a, as an advanced air combat instructor, as a Top Gun instructor, a Top Gun training pilot, or as a top, uh, as a, a member of the red forces that were, uh, employed to exercise or perform realistic air combat exercises for the, uh, the F-14 community or the F-4 community, um, in both communities I worked with, um, what, what I have done is I have utilized what is called a, uh, uh, high overhead maneuver. Okay. Uh, what is that? What is a high overhead maneuver? What does that mean? Okay. Um, that that is. Um, uh, well, let me let me put it this way: a high overhead maneuver is uh, kind of like. Um, a uh, loop. Uh, it could be a loop, or it could be a half Cuban eight. Uh, they're they both start off the same way. It could be. Uh, we 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 called it something a little bit different. We called it um, uh, an oblique loop uh, because it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't exactly straight up and down. It was off on some kind of an oblique angle uh, to the horizon. So, in other words, it wasn't 90 degrees. It was off um, uh, a little bit offset from the 90-degree position. If you If you wanted to look at the horizon as horizontal and what is the vertical axis, the vertical axis would be uh, would be 90 degrees to that, okay? And so the oblique loop would be offset from 90 degrees by a relatively small amount. It could be 10 or 20 degrees offset from from the vertical or from the 90-degree position, right? And so that, and, and, and the, the way you execute that is you execute that just like you do on any overhead maneuver. Uh, uh, again, it, sometimes it's called a loop, uh, but that's just one term of many that could describe it. I, I, I called it just a, the overhead, all right? So Maverick was going, going to the sun, but he was also using an overhead maneuver. And so what, what, that, what was that? Well, he was... Uh, he was uh, going into the vertical. Okay, he was exercising the vertical. He was exploiting the vertical. Now, why did he want to do that? Okay, and and this is the key to mission success across the board. Okay, if you want to succeed, achieve higher ground, 
first and foremost. You start your battle from higher ground, from the ground that's higher than the enemy. Okay, that's true in land warfare. That's true in air warfare. That's true across the board. Okay, go achieve higher ground if that's all, if if at all possible. Okay, and and in Maverick's case, so he went into this high overhead maneuver, and the enemy, but the 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 um, uh, the one behind him who was either. Uh, uh, hangman or rooster I, I can't remember which one was behind him uh, lost sight and lost the advantage okay and then Maverick completes the maneuver and winds up behind his adversary alright so he he, he uh, completely changes the advantage disadvantage or who had the advantage and who had the disadvantage so he took a disadvantage position and transformed it into a position of advantage and then he uh, he continued to execute his maneuver and ultimately achieve mission success okay now let me take a short uh, break here and see if I can uh, check the time there we go we got six I'm showing six minutes to go all right so I need to collect my thoughts and get back to finishing up uh, the discussion today and uh, so let me recap a little bit of where we have been and then when I can explain where we're going all right so <clears throat> what is important for us to know okay the first order of business is yes I think if we are intellectually honest people that we have to re we have to agree to number one that if you want peace prepare for war okay if if you don't believe that to be true then you need to look go back in human history uh, please and 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 take a look at it from a historical standpoint go ahead and take a look at what is available to you with respect to World War II in particular. Uh, there's more books about World War II than you can possibly count. Uh, take a look at that. Uh, I like to also uh, take a look at uh, the Roman Empire and the Roman legions and how they were able to achieve mission success. What was their battle plan? What was their strategy? What were the tactics that they used, and so forth and so on? Uh, that's that's a good uh, good place to go. Take a look at human history. You can take a look at um, at the American Indians as well. All right. So if you want peace, prepare for war, and uh, and that's that's one of the keys to. Uh, what should I say? The preservation of our culture, of our society, of our country. That's one of the keys. Right? And let's take that seriously. When we say prepare for war, let's make sure that our Army, Navy, and Air Force are indeed prepared for war. Okay? And the other thing is this. Let's get rid of all of the unnecessary incidentals with respect to that. Okay, let, let's just get rid of it. All right, let's say that let us focus on that which will allow us to succeed in battle and everything else is unnecessary. Let's, let's make that as a commitment. The, third, the second thing is let us clearly define what it means to operate at the tip of the spear. In other words, the exactly what is that place 
in which kinetic activities occur? What is that place in which battle will occur? Now, that's not the only, uh, battle is not just kinetic, but certainly is kinetic. There is some non-kinetic aspects of of uh, warfare, like cyber warfare and stuff like that. I'm just getting the two-minute warning now. But but let's let's be very clear. If we're dealing with battle, let's be very clear of what is the battle, what is the tip of the spear with respect to the battle and the battle space. And let's be very clear about what occupies the battle space. In my in my um, area of expertise, we have to be very clear of what occupies the airborne battle space and know what it is, where it is, and where it all is going. What is the dynamics of the airborne battle space? And last but not least, let's be very clear that we have identified the proper uh, area within the conflict spectrum. In this particular case, are we considering the high end of the conflict spectrum, which means that the enemy is going to be credible. The enemy is going to be a serious enemy. The enemy is going to be committed to our destruction and will do everything in its power to destroy us. Let's be very, very clear about that. Sometimes we think about warfare and it's really low-level warfare, okay? Most of what we did in Afghanistan was not at the high end of the conflict spectrum. It was very low-level uh, warfare. Uh, so let's be very clear about what is it about the warfare that we need to understand and be very clear and to clarify that as precisely as we can. Okay, another Throttle Up Radio Show and Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we will see you all next week.